Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swandingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome back to another episode of the Swan Dingo Piles for the Dango HR Bay Bay. Here today, I got Bruce Thompson with me, fellow veteran, and he's here to share his story and how he's helping veterans today. How's it going today, Bruce? Oh, it's a beautiful day here in Florida. Uh, hope everybody else is enjoying it, and I'm excited to be on the show and uh, just talk about transition. I am jealous of you, and I don't know if we can continue this because you're in Florida and you got better weather than I do, so it's not fair. So. <laughs> But today we're going to talk about uh, why you joined your military service, uh, your transition out, which clearly led to you, and why you are helping veterans now. So if you can begin with, why did you join? Uh, s- simply uh, to get away from a dead-end town. Uh, I-, I grew up in a Southern California farming community, and there was not a whole lot going on. Uh, I'll date myself and say you know, this was the uh, early 90s. When I joined and it, it was, I didn't really have, you know, post high school, um, prospects. So, uh, went to the recruiter's office, uh, you know, joined the Marine Corps and, you know, away I was, you know, and I, I signed my contract. I was 17. I shipped when I was 18. Uh, you know, got to that first duty assignment when, uh, uh, January, February of 93, uh, we were in Somalia, uh, and, and, you know, welcome to service. Uh, we, we were at, uh, we're in a conflict. I won't say it was a war. We'll, we'll say it was a conflict because, uh, Somalia was not a war. <laughs> I know a few people that my, I know a few of my drill sergeants that were in Somalia and they talked a little bit about it, not too much though. So it, it's different. It's still something though. Yeah, I, I didn't make the deployment. Um, my brother and I uh, overlapped. His last year in the Navy was my first year in the Marine Corps. So he talked about the uh, original Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and uh, how he uh, was part of that. You know, in the you know, serving on the ship uh, in the Persian Gulf. So um, you know, fam- family tradition. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. Um, what was your actual job in the Marine Corps? So I was the guy who uh, followed the Marine Corps motto of grow where planted. Uh, I started out as a motor transport driver. Quickly, I was brought over to the maintenance side, and I did maintenance management. And then, of course, you know all the different commodities that you had to do, uh, supply, logistics, budgeting, um, you know, you, you name it. We had it. Then I went over to Cuba. I was the platoon mm-hmm. sergeant. Came back. I, I was the training and development guy. That moved into communication electronics maintenance. Had plenty of collateral duties. Ended up doing uh, company gunny, first sergeant, sergeant major, communication officer, public affairs. You know, you start naming it. You know, we can go down that gauntlet of what didn't I do? Um, and again, you know, it's it's the Marine Corps motto of grow where planted. We needed to do this, so tag your it, go do it. And we expect you to do it at a high level. And 
for the most part, I did. I'm not saying I was successful at all of it. Some of those things kicked my butt. Uh, but we grow, we learn, and you know, we just uh, make the best of our assignments. Yeah, man, it sounds like you're more like Heinz 57, just a little bit of everything. <laughs> you, you know, so, if if you spend enough time in the service, you're going to pick up a lot of different jobs, hmm. and especially if you're someone who is flexible and you know doesn't mind putting your hand up and saying, "Heck, I'll try something different." You know, that's where you find yourself. Yeah, that's what I was always told my drill sergeants. Uh, volunteer for any school. If they ask you to go to any school, go to any school, any job, just do anything. And it seems like today, I know you a long time ago you were in, but today it seems like the role of a non-commissioned officer is just so broad anymore. It's, hey, here's another detail for you. Here's another detail. Here's another detail. Here's another detail. Oh, we're going to stack these 10 jobs on top of you. Plus, you got to lead soldiers. So it's like, I think that's detracting from our overall military right now is too many other things are pulling leadership away from their actual job now. Instead of being leaders, they're equal opportunity leaders, they're um, and, environmental compliance uh, officers. And, like that. and as we go down and we look at it, the military, you know, we, we talk about the reduction in force. We, so we're reducing the number of members uh, on active duty and in the reserve components. But what we're not doing is shrinking the requirements of the services. So as there's more uh, projects and programs that have to be done, we're doing that with less individuals, which means, you know, more, more people are having two, three, four, uh, you know, the primary plus collaterals. And that's doing a couple of things. One, we're making extremely talented and capable service members, but we're also pushing burnout. You know, individuals that are, are not able to kind of say, yeah, I joined to do this and I barely do that. I'm doing all these other things. And for some, they love it. They grow to it and they're like, wow. For others, hey, this isn't what I wanted to do. Um, when's my contract up? Uh, I'm done with this. So, yeah, we we have very different perspectives, and uh, again, people grow and take this opportunity and just run with it. And others are like, I know what I want to be, and this wasn't it, so I'll I'll do my time. I thank you for for uh, uh, the opportunity, the education, the training. Um, now I'm going to move on to do something non-military, and uh, bless us all. Uh, anybody who raised their hand and served, uh, I give them all the credit in the world. Uh, whether you served for a year, whether you served for 40, you served. And I think that means uh, so much because nowadays, if you look at the eligible recruiting pool, it keeps getting smaller and smaller. And those that have that desire to serve, I mean, let's look at recruiting goals. People are not hitting their recruiting goals. Uh, and you know, I come from a place where you you went and, you know, there's only so many people that, you know, quotas for enlistment. And people were like, hey, I better do this fast. Re-enlistments were the same thing. Now you're looking at it where, hey, uh, a lot of services are throwing money at people just to sign up and go to uh, bake, uh, basic training. Uh, hey, where was that money when I went? You know? <laughs> I used to like, say the same thing. I used to say the same thing when I joined. So, yeah, it's it's a different time. Uh, 
And again, I, I think, you know, there's always the ups and downs uh, of different periods in time. So I think right now we're kind of at that low point. But I, I know that Americans have pride and love for their, their freedom, their, their country, and the call to serve is going to still be there. So I, I'm confident we're, uh, you know, we're ready to stand up, especially if anything uh, comes back and we have to, you know, build back up and, and take care of business. I'm fully a uh, full believer that we're going to be able to find the right people that are going to sign up, uh, raise their hand, swear the oath, and, and go take care of business. Well, I, I mean, I was a recruiter. I did 14 and a half years in. I made sure I did all the right steps to make E7 and all that stuff. And um, one of those steps is, you know, drill or recruiter on the Army side. I know the Marines have some of the same steps that the Army does for senior leadership. But I did recruiter. And sometimes I worry about that to pass, well, my later years of being in, we're not recruiting the best. We're recruiting, at one point we're recruiting what would look the best instead of the best. Um, I, I had some kids that tried to join and because they had one theft charge and the cop didn't want to write it up properly, so they were charged with theft. Well, his brother wanted to join the military, and he received the stolen goods from his brother. That's a whole other charge. The kid didn't even steal it, but the cop just wrote it up as he stole it. This kid was a great kid, respect, respectful, um, not the brightest of the ball, but would have made a great soldier in, in the military. He couldn't join because the cop wrote it up as he stole it, even though the kid didn't. So the standards, and he couldn't get a waiver either at that time, um, but – I, don't know, I think we need to look at our standards of being of soldiers coming in uh, with waiverable. They missed their goal by what was it, 25% this year or last year. I mean, excuse me. Um, I think they need to revamp some things and actually look at the kid and the character of the kid himself instead of just what's on paper. And and <clears throat> as I talked about, you know, there there's different points where uh, I, I'm, you know, part of that, you know, Marine Corps and their tattoo policy. Uh, not a fan of it. You know, military, you have tattoos. And I think as tattoos became more uh, acceptable in society, their Marine Corps and other services came crashing down and said, no, they're not acceptable. And people couldn't reenlist. People couldn't go to certain programs. We wouldn't recruit people. And I'm not talking about crazy tattoos with, you know, vulgar, racist or, or any, any of that nature. I'm just talking some beautiful art. But people were like, no, you can't list with that. Um, and it was like, wow. And I, I had people that got processed out because they violated that policy. And again, they were quality workers, but you had to follow, you know, the, the orders of the institution. And now that people are not making their goals, all of a sudden that policy doesn't make sense. Let's get rid of this policy. So we can rise the number of recruits. And uh, I'll tell you, my son was one of those ones where you know, he had his contract. Uh, he went and got a couple of tattoos. They saw him and said, okay, you're done. Uh, we're about, uh, boarding your contract. You can't ship because you got con- – um, <clears throat> he had tattoos showing on his hand. And they're like, that's a no-go. And, right. And, and again, um, I, I look at tattoos as an expression of – uh, your personality, I look at them as art. Uh, 
I, I don't think that should be something that we go away from service. And plus, if you start looking, you know, swear like a sailor, tattoos, you know, sleeves, uh, those were like norms in the, you know, 70s, 80s. You know, and even when I came in, you know, you still had them. And, and now that something that is so, you know, acceptable and, you know, the, those who don't have tattoos are on the lower percentage than those that do. Uh, I, I don't think that should be something that keeps them from service. But I'm not the person who's making the policy and the rules. We're just the ones that have to go out there and understand them and work with the individuals that we have. And, and again, doing what I do, helping those in the transition space, you know, some of them are like, yeah, I got out because I had tattoos. I'm like, well, don't worry. Uh, that's not an issue. You know, we, we can actually talk and work about that now. So, uh, you know, service change as the decades go by, we, we have different things that people place a premium on. And so right now, I think as we're missing the goals for, uh, you know, all the services, I think the Marine Corps came in right on their number this year. So there was no excess. But it was right on that number. So we'll see what happens this year. Uh, other branches missed it. And I think as you're missing it, that's where you're seeing uh, an opening up and a uh, reduction of standards and saying, hey, we need to make quotas. We need the people. So how is that going to happen? And so, again, once you get into service, you know, who can basic, whatever you want to call it, changes you. Are you someone who is going to get that discipline and grow and be, you know, great at it? Are you be someone who has that discipline and it's like, you know, where's the eject button? This ain't for me. And I think, you know, we're all different and, you know, we have to accept and embrace that. Yeah. I definitely grew in the military. I only wanted to do my six. Well, I signed up six years. I want to be done at six, but I ended up staying for 14 for I was medically retired, but it changed me as a better, way better person. But how, uh, how long did you end up doing? I, I did uh, just a couple months shy of 24 years. And, and I'll tell you, I was a, I got one contract. I'm going to sign it. I'm going to go get my education benefits. I'm going to get you know trained. I'm getting out of this area. And I'm going to eject, and I'm going to go figure out what the rest of my life is going to be about. Lo and behold, uh, I did very well. It, you know, I'm someone who... Um, adapted and succeeded, enjoyed what I did. I got to do things that other people never get a chance to do. Uh, I had, you know, a couple young kids, you know, wasn't having a lot of transferable skills. Mid nineties, uh, economy wasn't doing the great. I was like, well, let me try one more contract. And one more contract, you're like, well, okay, now I'm an E6. Um, still like what I do, still doing it well. Uh, I changed my, my primary, uh, military occupation, highly, <laughs> highly desirable, uh, skill set. And so there's plenty of opportunities, but I love what I did. I love being a Marine. I, I love, you know, uh, everything about it. And so I, I kept going and I would have gone to 30, but the body told me I was done. You know, it's, it's one of those big things that everybody says, well, when do you know it's your time to leave the military? And the answer is always, you'll know when it's your time. And you never understand that until it's your time. And when my body is like, hey, you can no longer do the runs. You can't lift the weights. Heck, sometimes it just hurts you to stand or sit. And you're like, yeah, 
it's time for me to retire and get the heck out of the way and let these younger, more capable individuals come do it. Um, and I'll tell you, <laughs> when it all comes crashing down like that, and I thought I had six more years of, of service and, and time to plan, uh, that transition thing, man, it, it hits you in the face like a, a baseball bat. And it's like all there at once. And you go from, I'm the expert. I'm, I, I've done all this. I'm the guy that people come to that answer questions. I know the resources, I have it, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, everything you know is gone. We want you to go figure this all out on your own. And you're like, man, I'm 42 years old, and I've never wrote a resume in my life. You know, last time I, I looked for a job, you know, either my dad or my brother is like, hey, uh, I, call, I called my buddy up, show up this time and, and start working. They're like, great, I have that. You know, then the next thing you know, I shipped a boot camp, and Uncle Sam said, hey, You've done a great job. It's been three years. Uh, I want you to go from, you know, 20 Palms, California to Cuba. Hey, I did my time there. Hey, go to Yuma. Did my time there. Hey, go back to 20 Palms. You're like, Uncle Sam made it clear. Hey, this is where you're going to go. This is what company you're working for. This is the position you're going to do. And you didn't have to think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you can do whatever you want. You can go choose to live wherever you want. And all that freedom's like, oh, my God, what do I do? And we have that deer in the headlight look. And that's where, uh, through my transition, and it took me 11 months to figure that out uh, from the time I retired to the time I really got into where I belonged. <clears throat> it, it was not the best 11 months. Now, I'm, I'm someone that uh, I got my degrees while I was in service. Uh, I, I had a highly transferable skill set with electronics maintenance. So I was able to find employment. That wasn't an issue. But finding a meaningful employment that I wanted to do and be a part of and I had a passion and a purpose for, that that was the secret sauce that I couldn't find. And it took me 11 months to figure that out. So, wow. So um, what, what did you figure out? What was your biggest struggle, I guess, you'd say, with your transition? Like, I know you said figuring it out, but on your yeah. way out, what was the biggest shock to you when you got out? So for me, it was not figuring out who I was, uh, what I wanted to do, and where I belonged. Uh, you know, you've been part of you know the military for you know your entire adult life. It's what you know. It's where you've been, and you know, like I said, you know, we're talking over two decades. Uh, I had been in service longer than I had not been in service. And so all of a sudden, you know, you're taking the uniform off, you're taking the rank off. Oh, excuse me. Um, you, you aren't being told, hey, this is where you're going to go work. This is where, you, where you're going to live. And all this freedom is thrown at you and you're like trying to juggle and we're all told you can be a project manager or an operations manager and you can be this, this, this and that. Well, they don't want, don't tell you is you gotta figure out your salary your worth uh do you have the education do you have the certifications do you have the experience are you someone who's going to go from you know hey i was in charge of you know hundreds or if not thousands to like hey i'm the worker bee you know what it, what is that level and uh, i talk to people all the time I was in charge of a lot of high-value equipment, a lot of individuals, and the phone rang a lot. 
I didn't want to keep having a phone ring at multiple times. I didn't want to have multiple phones. And so that was the perspective of, okay, I don't want to live that stressful lifestyle. I want to find something I enjoy doing. But there's a an end point at the day, and it's not one of those ones where you go to bed like nightmares of spreadsheets and, you know, what what Johnny do and is Sally going to show up for work tomorrow? I don't want any of that. I wanted something where I got to go do what I did and then go enjoy family time. Uh, and some are like me. They want that. Others, they want the rat race. They want to go a million miles per hour. And that's the toughest part of transitioning is figuring out where you want to be and where you belong. So that that's something a lot of us struggle with in the transition process. And once it kind of clicks, things start falling into place. We're able to actually map out. But, you know, I, I say, you know, transition, not knowing your purpose or your place. It's like saying, hey, I'm going to make a road trip to somewhere. Well, you can't plan if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. So that's that's kind of transition until you figure out where you're going, uh, where you want to be. You can't make those plans. And it it's spinning your wheels and you get stuck and it's frustrating. You know, all of a sudden you're, you're submitting resumes to all these different organizations because you're you kind of giving up and you're just doing the spray and pray, hoping that someone will say yes, will interview you. And then that interview goes good and you're like, yes, we'll offer you a position. And then you find out it's the wrong fit, culture, position, uh, you know, industry, none of it works. So that, that figuring out who you are, where you belong is where I think me need to focus, uh, individuals on. So when it is their time, they're not having to struggle when the paycheck stops, when the benefits stop. And that's where you have people taking employment that they don't want to be a part of, but they got to keep the lights on, put food in the table. And so that that becomes one of those dangers of transition and why people uh, get depressed and fall in, into those, you know, statistics that we don't like to talk about. Yeah. So uh, if, you, if you can, I know you're part of a Ascend tra- Transition or what is it called again? Yeah. So I am the executive director for the Ascend Collective, and we are the nonprofit side of Talents Ascend. Talents Ascend simply put, is the future of hiring. No resumes, no job searching, no applications. We are an AI-powered, skills-based matching platform. Candidates, and when I say candidates, anyone looking for a job that is eligible to legally work in the United States of America can create their free profile, list up to 25 skills that they have and want to use in their next profession, and they tell us their location or locations, and they give us a salary range. That all goes into our database. And then our employers sign up to be members. And with that membership, they can post as many job opportunities that they have. They can open up as many uh, matches as they have. But they don't put a traditional job vacancy announcement out there. They'll go out and say they're looking for a operations manager, and they'll list three to 25 skills that that candidate needs to have to be a viable candidate for that role. Uh, once they put that in there, our, our AI, you know, does this magic and it comes back out and think match.com for employment. You know, boom, you have a match. So the employer gets that profile. When they get it, 
All the unconscious biases are removed. All the employer gets on the initial match is the first and last initial, the skills listed, the location, and the salary. That's it. They don't know male, female, 18 or 100, ethnicity, long hair and a beard, tattoos, no tattoos, you know, all the stuff that might, you know, give them uh, some reason other than pure facts is removed. Uh, and when they say, yes, we want to have open that full profile, they made a commitment that if any point in time they decide not to hire this individual and move on, they have to give us feedback. They have to tell us missing a skill, uh, couldn't interview worth the darn, uh, cultural fit, what was the better candidate, whatever it happens to be, we get feedback to provide our candidates. Therefore, there is zero ghosting. Ghosting is a horrible thing. I think it's, it's, it's frustrating, but our candidates get some kind of feedback and they're not waiting along saying, well, you know, I, I, I hope that job pans out. No, they're finding out right away. If they're no longer a candidate, they know that job is no longer something you're you're in the running for. So don't wait for it. It doesn't exist. And, you know, there's jobs I applied for years ago that I've never been told that you know, they went with someone else. So we avoid all that. Uh, again, our platform is absolutely free to any candidate. Uh, with the Ascend Collective, we work with three communities of focus. We have Veterans to Ascend which is our military, active guard reservist, veterans, all eras, all service discharge statuses, military and veteran spouses, and 18-plus-year-old military dependents. Just because they, they get cut off and told they're no longer allowed back to the gates doesn't mean we forget about them. All those fall under veterans' ascent. That's our, awesome. second, our second community of focus is ability ascent. Simply put, anyone that has a disability. We want to talk about what you can do. What are your strengths? What are your abilities? Uh, too many people in this, this category uh, remove themselves from employment because they're tired of hitting that roadblock. They're tired of, you know, well, people look at me and all they see is this, this, or that. Well, there's so many that have a disability that you can't visibly see. Heck, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm disabled through the VA. If you look at me, you know, you might say, oh, that dude's crazy because I got the long hair and the beard and all, but you know, you don't know that I have a disability. And then our our third community of focus is Mission to Ascend, and these were for individuals that have justice involvement and looking for a second chance. They've had their run-in with the law. They've done their time. They've paid their price. And it's time to get them back into meaningful employment opportunities. So with the Ascend Collective, I help these communities become employment-ready, and I help the employers understand the value of hiring from these communities. Well, we're talking about famous federal programs and benefits that encourages the hiring and retention. Whether we're talking about some of the most talented and dedicated, ready to show up and prove themselves employees, you know, we, we have these together. And again, we're the future. We're here today. You know, give us five, 10 years. You're going to see all other organizations really jumping into this AI powered platform because the technology is here. And we're doing something that's giving people time back. We're doing something that's making a process smoother. So you know, right now, first in the door is kind of beating our heads and convincing people that you know this is real, this is possible, try it. But five, ten years down the road, this is going to be the norm. 
because we're answering all those things that people just do not like about the hiring process. Our CEO, she spent 30 years in HR, and she developed the plan based off of everything that she saw wrong with the hiring process. So, you know, we're free. Check it out. TalentsAscend.com, theascendcollective.org. Uh, we're not hard to find. And again, we have webinars where you can come in and you can uh, spend 30 minutes. You'll learn about how the platform works, how you can get involved, whether that's candidate or employer side. And we have an amazing team of veterans and military spouses that are uh, right here making everything work. So check us out. All right. One question. So you said uh, based off their skills, um, do you have somebody there to kind of go over skills, especially for veterans? Because some aren't very good with translating what we do on the inside to the outside. Yeah, we all know hardworking, motivated, honorable. And, and those aren't skills. Those are attributes, skills. not skills. Uh, so what we have is when you go into our platform, uh, if you're someone who wants to continue doing what you did in service, you can put your MOS, your Armed Forces Specialty Code, uh, in and it will populate. Okay, these are the skills that 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 MOS that rating, uh, you know, you used, you earned, and so it'll self-populate for you. Okay. There's also the you know, because 40 of us don't want to continue doing what we did in service when we get out. So you can go out there and say, well, I want to get an HR. So you can look at that category and you can pick by you know uh, profession, and it'll say HR and it'll populate, and then all of a sudden you got to go back and say. Well, I don't have that skill. You know, well, you have that one. Well, I have that one, but I don't want that to be used. So like, when I created my profile, um, obviously I went and got my HR, I'm going to grease in HR. I had no desire to do a complex maintenance, logistics, any of that. So my profile doesn't have anything to do with my MOS, uh, my military occupational specialty. Mm-hmm. I put in HR and I listed the skills I had. And then there were certain things where we talked about compliance. We talked about uh, compensation and benefits. And I was like, get rid of those things. That's not the HR I want to be part of. You know, we talked about town acquisition, recruiting, uh, counseling, mentorship, uh, public speaking. And I posted those. Well, again, uh, I matched rather quickly and I got the call from the boss and said, hey, uh, we love what you do. Uh, you match with us. Let's have a conversation. And. You know, it was a quick assimilation for me. And some people match right away, and some people have multiple matches right off the bat. Some of them, you know, it takes a little bit more time. Uh, but we're constantly adding new members that are bringing in new jobs along, which means there's more opportunities. There's a higher match rate. Uh, we're nationwide. So <clears throat> we we are – we're here. We're growing, and we're just looking for individuals to know about us. and. Price it out because it's absolutely free. Uh, you can use our platform while still doing a traditional job search. And however you find employment, whether it's through us or through traditional, we're just happy that people are getting hired. Um, and I'll put the disclaimer. We will never force somebody into a position that they're not uh, a match for, that they don't want to be. We do not make a single penny when someone hires you. So there's none of this. You know, uh, military hunting type firm where, hey, my client needs, you know, X number of people. And even though you're not really a fit for it, I'm going to shove you there because I get paid a bonus. We don't have that. So, you know, we're strictly opportunity uh, matches for you. 
if it works, it works great. If it doesn't, let's move on to the next match for you. So that sounds great. I really think, I mean, hopefully it comes along faster, but I wish that would have been there when I got out because I, I strode a little bit and I mean, I found my way eventually, but, but, um, Bruce, it's nice having you on here. Um, I really do see this taking off really, really quick, and I really hope it does. And I hope you get the right propulsion you need behind it, because especially for disabled people, I know a lot of people look at them and are like, no, no, yeah. we're and, just not and this, going to. And this is one of those things where uh, everybody talks DEI, everybody talks about wanting to do this, and I, I love that we focus on abilities and we talk about you know, the positivity of things, uh, of things that people bring to the table. Uh, we can go down there and we can nitpick and talk about things all the time. I'm not creative. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell you a million things. That's not who I am, but there's many other things I do. So I don't talk about the things I can't do. I talk about what I can do. You know, otherwise, if you want me to go out there and create your widget, I'm, I'm not the guy, but there, there's plenty of guys and gals out there that can create the widget. So we have to make sure we're talking the right language, that we know where we're going, and the matches are where they're supposed to be. And what I tell you is I thank you for the opportunity to come on here, share my story, talk about the, uh, the Ascend Collective, Talents Ascend, and what we're doing. And the more people that hear about it, the more people that will take notice, that will give it a try, and the faster it will come back out there. And, again, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, there's still the whole traditional search out there, but we're all about, you know, making sure that opportunities are easy to be found and we can get rid of writing resume after resume that's full of fluff and doesn't tell us anything. Full of fluff like NCOERs and OERs, but <laughs> thanks for coming on, Bruce. Uh, I look forward to talking to you later on. So this is this episode of the Swan Dingo Files with Bruce Thompson, turning Match.com into Ascend, but not for people, but for jobs. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking, and keep Swandingoing.